0: Don't forget you've got a doctor's appointment today. Okay, bye.
1: <laughs> I'm basically your Jarvis from <laughs> Valhalla now. <laughs> Time to go eat another grape. No skin. Oh, you're in trouble now. What? Why? 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 Welcome back to IMDb is Obsessed. I'm senior producer Alex Logan, and I'm joined by TV writer Gina Ippolito. Hey, Gina. Hi. All right. I got a question for you this week, Gina, and I'm stealing it from one of my fellow producers, Brett, who got to speak with the cast of Thor Love and Thunder. He asked them, which of the Guardians of the Galaxy would you want to have a beer with?
0: I'm gonna go with Rocket Raccoon. I think that he's probably got the most to say. Some of the other ones are fun, but they're they're not that deep. I feel like Rocket Raccoon might be able to solve all the universe's problems over one
1: beer. 100% agree. He's definitely a better conversationalist than Groot. And uh, <laughs> if you've ridden the Guardians of the Galaxy ride at Disneyland, you know that his hands don't scan, but... <laughs> Don't hold it against him. I love Rocket Raccoon as well. (laughs) Yeah, also
0: my favorite ride in Disney.
1: Yep, totally. And Taika actually said that he wouldn't want to have a beer with Rocket because he would probably just end up roasting him the whole time, which (laughs) I don't know. Also a possibility. Yeah, and if you want to see the answers to that from the Thor Love and Thunder cast and Taika Waititi, check out the show notes for the podcast. There will be an IMDb list that links to everything, including those two interview videos. All right. So as we've set up right now, we are going to talk about the one show or movie that we're obsessed with and by Odin's beard. That is Thor Love and Thunder. We're going to kick it off with a few non-spoilery minutes about why we're obsessed with this 29th film of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Then we'll sound the spoiler alarm and spend our remaining time together venturing deep into the murky depths of spoiler country. So if you haven't seen Thor Love and Thunder yet, and you're on the fence, maybe this pre-spoilers discussion will convince you. All right, Gina, set it up for us. Tell us about Thor Love and Thunder.
0: Okay, so this is Chris Hemsworth coming back for his ninth Marvel film as the mighty god of thunder, Thor Odinson, with writer-director Taika Waititi of Jojo Rabbit, What We Do in the Shadows, and Thor Ragnarok, following up that Thor threequel with another over-the-top and irreverent take on the comic book superhero. This time, Thor is trying to find inner peace and reclaim his magical hammer, Mjolnir, when both a god-killing supervillain, played by Christian Bale, and Thor's ex, played by Natalie Portman, interrupt his personal journey. Plus, Portman now wields Thor's hammer, and she has her own thunder-charged powers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So what'd you think, Gina? You liked this one a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah, I loved
0: it. I, I keep thinking of parts of it and laughing. I thought it was very on brand for Taika Waititi in, in a good way. Uh, I saw someone tweet about how it's a very much a Taika film. Uh, and I agree. I agree. I kind of dig that Marvel seems like they're giving their directors these days a little bit more control. Yeah, Over the content, I know that especially early on in phase one, everything was very tightly controlled. And now with this and with uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, I feel like Marvel is sort of like, okay, directors, do your thing. We trust you because that one had the Raimi stamp all over it. And I think this one has the Taika stamp all over it.
1: And I see that also to a degree in the TV series as well, where they're letting them be very much branded in a certain style, Mm, not mm -hmm, as strong mm -hmm. of the auteurs that you know they're they're allowing to direct these films, like you know we're talking about with Sam Raimi and with now Taika Waititi. But still, they're adding they're adding a more diverse visual style to all of them and storytelling style, really, because this one is so in its own world, in its own style, and contained completely within that as well, which is kind of a. break from you know the past 20 odd films that were all leading up to one giant adventure that all were very intricately put in a giant puzzle where you had to see everything entirely it's that old comic book style of like here's just a one-off here's a fun adventure that the hero Thor goes on and that's something that taiko Waititi can really do well and doesn't have to connect all those points and just have fun with it. And that was yeah. That was cool. That's That really stood out and, and made it such a worthwhile experience.
0: Yeah. Between the jokes and the banger soundtrack, it feels like you're on an amusement park ride and then it's over and you're like, wow, that was fun.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the mostly Guns N' Roses soundtrack as well, which was, you know, he was very much vibing as the, the movie is, is got a consistent and, and singular vibe. And that's Taika Waititi, like whatever he's kind of going off on right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, I love it between this and the Stranger Things soundtrack this season? I'm like, yeah, bring back those 80s bangers. I want him to be in everything. <laughs> I'll also say that, you know, Christian bale is fantastic as gore. There's been a lot of rumors about his sort of method acting and and i was really feeling his pain in this his his yeah. face his body he's contorting it in ways that like really look like he's tortured i felt that torture go see it for his performance alone
1: yeah and a guy who said he would never do another superhero movie after playing batman and you know the three christopher nolan movies so cool to see him come back as something so different and use his actual accent not you know, kind of play such a different character than what he actually sounds like and do something that is so creepy and weird with it and, and still still have some fun. I think, too, yeah. like Gore is still kind of like delighting in the the pain and, and terror that he causes sometimes, which uh, Bale can, uh, you know, do his whole American psycho craziness with. Yeah. And, and make it really, really work and really scary. <laughs> the big question, I think, since this is one of those, you know, returns of a writer director with a very um, distinct style, how does it compare to his last entry? How does it compare to Thor Ragnarok? Um, And, you know, kind of where does it sit in the larger MCU? Where does it rank among the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe?
0: I mean, I think this is a solid entry. I do think I enjoyed Ragnarok a little bit more. I think when I do my next rewatch, I'll sort of have remembered that one a little bit more than this one. I mean, like I thoroughly enjoyed this one. I just thought that one had a little bit more, let's say, meat to it. Yeah, But I think that this one is really great at, at, you know, sort of wrapping up, Thor's story and having him come full circle from when we first meet him. He's just this, this it, like conceited airhead that's, that's going around and thinks he's awesome. And then, you know, he sort of learns a little bit, falls into a deep depression. And this is putting him back on that hero's path, stronger and wiser for it. I think this is the perfect complete circle for Thor.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think Ragnarok edges it out in the kind of inventiveness and, And surprise of something. I mean, we knew that Chris Hemsworth could be funny and deliver a punchline, but that he could consistently carry a comedy like that and Mm -hmm. make it so delightful. Him and Tom Hiddleston as Loki were just such a dynamic duo throughout that entire film. This one yeah. joke for joke is really consistent and really funny, and just had me laughing mm-hmm, the entire time. Mm-hmm. So it may rank funnier overall with its about twenty minute shorter runtime and all as well. It just is like yeah. joke after joke. Uh, but I I think Ragnarok was just such a surprise, such a a welcome new entry. And
0: yeah, this feels like a continuation of that, which which is great. Yes, it is uh, definitely but yeah, it's, a it's,
1: sequel to Ragnarok.
0: Yeah, and it's definitely less surprising, I think. And yeah. and like I said, it feels a little bit less. Marvelly, which for me, I think that's uh, that's another way that Ragnarok edges it out because they're introducing these fun new characters. And I'm like, ooh, who is this in comic book lore? Yeah, and in this, it was really just Gore that was introduced. All the other characters are characters that we've known and we've seen before. And I miss, <laughs> you know, I know. He's well, let's ha- let's he's- <laughs> let's
1: sound the spoiler alarm before we get too far into that. Uh, here's the sound of uh, the screaming goats that uh, factor into probably the funniest part of this movie. I don't know, Gina, do you have a good impression of the Screaming Goat? <laughs> oh God. <Yeah>. No. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. That sort of yeah.
0: sounded like Fran Drescher mixed with the <laughs> Screaming Goats.
1: All right. Well, that's the spoiler <laughs> alarm. Yeah, let's talk about it. Hiddleston is not in this movie. There were theories that he would come back around after, you know, oh. coming back to life uh, unexpectedly um, through the plot of Endgame, uh, the variant being oh. able to escape from Avengers and then having the whole Loki scene Series, whether he would make some sort of cameo or factor into the story. Um, ah,
0: okay. I was wondering why you were sounding the spoiler. Yeah, because I did not hear. I did not hear the rumor that. To me, it was so evident from Loki that he's on his own journey yeah. right now. That I, I, it didn't even occur to me that he might be in this. So.
1: Yeah, I mean I think it was just maybe wishful thinking wishful more than anything. Thinking, yeah. yeah, yeah. Cuz I mean there were there were some other cameos that they filmed for this. They were going to bring back uh Jeff Goldblum's Grandmaster character uh-huh, from uh-huh. Ragnarok uh and just really ran out of time with all the other ridiculousness that they were they were throwing at this.
0: But yeah, I actually think Watiti had a hard job here in that if he made it more marvely, if he put more cameos in it then it it sort of wouldn't serve the larger story, which to me is very much the storyline of you know Natalie Portman coming back and how yeah. she's now Thor and why she's now Thor, which is taken directly from the comic books. There was some chatter online about how is she going to take up this mantle. And in the comics, it's because she's diagnosed with cancer. And that's exactly what they did. She's diagnosed with cancer. Thor is dealing with not only seeing her again but seeing her again as the new Thor yes. with his hammer and then learning that she also has terminal cancer and anytime she powers down from being Thor, the cancer is just ravaging her, which is like pretty heavy for a Marvel movie. Yeah. So I think Taika Waititi handled this very heavy storyline with a dose of comedy. Uh, but yeah, if he had put in a ton more cameos, you would have either had to make this movie three hours or right. not serve that whole cancer terminal. How will Thor deal with his pretty much only love potentially dying before his eyes? Uh, so I think he served that well. And and it was it was smart to not pack it full of cameos.
1: Yeah, they did. They were able to make us not think they were doing that comic book storyline the it's the mm-hmm. Jason Aaron run on Thor where Jane Foster becomes the Mighty Thor and it's pretty similar to what was in the comic books they just kept that out of the trailers it was actually spoiled in one toy in the replica helmet you could buy of uh, Jane <laughs> Jane Foster's helmet which was so cool uh-huh. in the movie uh, it mentioned that she was cancer stricken oh. i believe on it uh, something yeah i know that's the toys always ruin it back to <laughs> batman mask of the phantasm where the toy <laughs> just revealed who the villain was but no this is uh, they were able to mostly throw us off the scent, and then when that was revealed, it was a reveal. And they were able mm-hmm. to give you enough of a storyline for Natalie Portman's character that I, I understand why she wanted to come back and what she wanted to explore with the character. Mm-hmm. And why this was a departure from a lot of the other stories that Marvel is telling right now and what they could be telling, you know, that a character would have a, a terminal illness. Like, that's uh, – yeah. Not the easiest story for them to tell. And Taika Waititi is a guy who can really mix. The dark with the light to, you know, lesser and greater degrees. Of course, there's, there's some of that storyline where I was like, Oh man, this is throwing me back and forth so much between like mm-hmm. how sad it is and then kind of how irreverent and ridiculous, like those screaming goats that kept us laughing. I, I think sometimes you can't process the cancer storyline and the gravity of it because you are just hit with a joke right after it or something funny from Korg, the Taika Waititi character who is. <laughs> been destroyed is you know just a face now the rest of his rock body has been blown up
0: yeah i think it's a very taika thing to be like here's this really deep thing that if i give you too much time to think about you're gonna like get in your head and be real depressed and then i'm gonna show you a screaming goat so that it's not until after the movie that you sort of process everything but i think he also does a really good job For anyone who's ever heard the term fridging, it's like something where you basically have a female character die in order to further the man's journey, the male character's journey and storyline. And I think that in less skilled hands, having her come back, you know, spoiler alert, leading to her death because she can't figure out a way to have science or magic cure her cancer. And then that sort of being the thing that almost makes Thor whole again, that he, he realizes, you know... What Anakin Skywalker never could with Natalie Portman, which is like, sometimes people die and it's better to have loved them (laughs) and let them go. I think in less skilled hand, that might read as fridging. But in this, it was a really beautiful storyline where they show Natalie Portman and show her taking in this diagnosis. And they have this, this plot point of her mom died of cancer. So she saw her go through this. So she's even more determined to beat it. And the almost hope that she gets by powering up into Thor- and then realizing that that's not the fix that she thought it was. I think she has her own complete storyline that is actually quite beautiful.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I think that delicate balance with characters that Taika Waititi is so good at. Of, like, showing you somebody can be an over-the-top superhero, but have very human problems. And balance the the light and the dark, the you know, the highbrow and the kind of, you know, silliness that comes with a lot of his comedy. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about, all from the comfort of your home? bite.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I think the other part of that balance is having a really mm. good villain mm-hmm. and having Christian Bale come in to, to play that villain, Gore the God Butcher. It's one of those rare things that you can nail in a, in a comic book villain where his journey, his mission doesn't sound like a villainous plot. It isn't just like two-face being like <laughs> I'm going to rob the bank and get all the diamonds because mm-hmm, I'm evil. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I was my you know, entire family, my child, everyone mm-hmm. was wiped out by this greedy god who didn't care about us and when I finally found him, he you mm-hmm. know spat in my face. Now I am on a mission to never let that happen to anyone ever again by killing all these false gods, by taking them out one by one. You know, you see his motivation. You you get his full backstory, and you are along the journey yeah, with him as yeah. well. And to some degree, I mean, you know, may not agree with his mm-hmm. methods, but you at least understand. Yeah, why and he's they do a great it. job
0: of sort of portraying the gods as jerks. So you're kind of just like, yeah, as, yeah. A, as a non-god, I kind of want you to die right now. But yeah, there are two sides of the same coin where it shows sort of what happens when you can't let death go and you're caught up in your grieving versus Thor. Journey. We get a whole scene with Thor going to the gods for help, going to almighty Zeus for help, and him just being this ridiculous person, and all of the gods being unable to, uh, unwilling to help. And you're kind of like, I mean, is Gore wrong, or do the, did, or should these people yeah. sort of pay?
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean, as soon as you meet Russell Crowe <laughs> playing Zeus, and he's so over the top, his, his uh, <laughs> accent is is so uh-huh. very accurately a ancient Greek. Like it just. Doing some kind of like silly, you know, uh, just pizzeria <laughs> Italian like <laughs> a voice that is just I don't know, borderline offensive maybe uh, for a Greek god, but uh, is so funny and has that you know kind of like almost cartoonish looking uh, uh-huh. lightning bolt that is the source of all of his powers. And Thor looks him in the eye and realizes what a fraud he is, and takes him out, throws his own lightning bolt right through his chest, and in an awesome moment that makes him more in line with the mission of his enemy, With Gore the God Butcher, and like starts muddying that water of like, wait, who's the bad guy? Like, aren't we all just trying to save ourselves? And I think that's kind of the ultimate mission here is that like everybody is looking for their own kind of like inner peace and their own inner struggle. It's not like, I'm going to take over the world because that's what yeah. I do, or I'm holding on to a kingdom because I'm the, you know, the rightful king.
0: Yeah. And this scene with Zeus is sort of what is one of the scenes for people like me who do love Easter eggs and things like that. It's one of the scenes where yeah. you can you know, when it comes out on Prime Video or or on Disney Plus, you can pause and look at who all the gods are in the background. You know, there's there are some breakdown videos yeah. based on the trailer, but like we see a couple of Celestials in here, they're they're outside sort of peering in, and there's Bast from Black Panther is in there. So this is one of the scenes in here that you get sort of your Easter egg fix, which is nice. And there are other things too. The Guardians of the Galaxy show up. I yeah. know, Alex, you felt like they were a little bit wasted. Yeah.
1: I mean, I thought, I guess it was more so the promise that the trailer made, making it seem like this was a uh. Thor and Guardians adventure, but really- what mm-hmm. you have seen in the trailer is the entirety of the Guardians part in this movie. Like, there's a little bit of the battle. There's a couple jokes. Star Lord gets some good lines in, but I thought there was going to be more Guardians. Of course, there's going to be Guardians Volume Three coming out. Mm-hmm. I think 2023, maybe 2024, that will bring them back, and I'm excited about that. So I think it was just kind of a you know we're we're big Rocket Raccoon fans. We want to we want to hang out with the guy. We want to <laughs> have a beer with the guy. So. Yeah, maybe we were just a little bit disappointed. And, you know, on the subject you were saying about Easter eggs, that one Zeus scene is the one we actually go back to in the mid-credits scene. We find out that Zeus is not dead. He's getting the hole in his chest repaired. And setting up, this is the one big thread that they set up as something to come back to, that his son, Hercules, played by Brett Goldstein from Ted Lasso, Roy Ken himself, uh, is going to be on the hunt to take out Thor, which is a fun thread. He didn't say. Much of anything, it was just more of a reveal yeah. kind of shot. Like, oh, look who it is! I loved what Russell Crowe was doing, so I'm just hoping that there's more Russell Crowe. That's I was just happy to see him alive, and that <laughs> there's you know the the potential of him coming back and and throwing around that wacky voice some more.
0: Yeah, I could not figure out if this was just a throwaway joke for people who are sort of in love with Brett Goldstein these days to be like, yeah, what if he entered the MCU or if it's actually going to lead yeah. to a movie? I still have no idea. I would be happy with either, to be honest. I think that somewhere Kevin Sorbo is is walking around his weird palatial estate and <laughs> grumbling about how he wasn't asked to cameo.
1: <laughs> I guess the last thing I just you know want to talk about is kind of like that it isn't building up to anything and that it is its own standalone and it doesn't seem like a lot of these plot points are going to be connecting. And like, is Brett Goldstein even going to be coming back? Is Charlize Theron from the Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness mid credit scene, is she ever going to be coming back? You know, what about <laughs> Kit Harrington being set up as Black Knight at the end of Eternals? Is that a thread that they're just dangling without any, you know, uh, yeah. promise of ever tying together? Like, is it kind of anticlimactic or are we kind of entering a new era of how these will be their own fun adventures that can stand alone.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that with Disney Plus rolling out their Marvel shows now every few months, the movies themselves have to do less heavy lifting when it comes to setting up things in the larger universe and, and keeping all of these threads. So to me, this was sort of indicative of like, yeah, now we can spread these threads and these Easter eggs and these references out through the TV shows as well as the movies. So you don't have to have a three hour movie where it's like, and this is how it ties into the larger Guardians galaxy. Yeah. And like, this is how it ties into the this universe. So I actually think that this served its purpose of having Thor complete his hero's journey Making sure he didn't turn into Gore overcome by depression and, and making him a better man, a better God, so to me, that wasn't anticlimactic that has that has sort of completed what the very first Thor set up
1: yeah, i I agree with that for the most part i I think that the the final final credits end of the credit scene where we see Natalie Portman enter the afterlife mm-hmm. and meet Idris Elba. May have made that a little anticlimactic because it was such a beautiful goodbye to her Mm -hmm. and feeling like, like uh, you know, we were really saying goodbye to this character and watching her end her arc. And now they're kind of like, but we got the door cracked open just a little bit because who knows, we could go to Valhalla and we could bring back everyone who we've we've ever introduced in the past. Uh, Which, you know, I mean, I think that's what we were talking about a little bit with Multiverse of Madness and kind of like, is it less special now that like – anybody can come back at any time. Mm-hmm. Anybody can just be a multiverse version of, of themselves and we can just kind of kill them off and, and bring them back tomorrow if we feel like. Yeah,
0: I mean, I admit I, I gasped when I got to see Idris Elba one more time and I and I like sure. that we know that Natalie Portman is is sort of living her best peeled grape eating life with the gods. Uh, <laughs> 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 but, yeah. but yeah, I agree that now they should probably not bring her back. I think it will hit harder if it's not like two movies from now she's peaking her head down from Valhalla and be like, Thor, don't forget you've got a doctor's appointment today. Okay, bye.
1: (laughs) I'm just your personal assistant. I'm basically your Jarvis from heaven now, from Valhalla now. (laughs) Time to go eat another grape. No skin. (laughs) All right, well, that's what we have to say about Thor, Love and Thunder, a really fun movie that I think you should check out. Before we wrap up, we're gonna do a quick check-in with our fans on Twitter. Last week, we told you about the top shows of 2022 so far, according to IMDb ratings. Then we asked on Twitter, what have been your personal favorites of 2022? We got lots of great responses. At Hatim Debdi, Atticus MB, and MacGyver351, all talked up Better Call Saul. That was number two on our top returning series list. And season six starts back up next week on AMC. And I know you've been catching up on the series. Are you ready for season six? I'm
0: not, because I made the decision to go back and rewatch all of Breaking Bad. Because again, no. you know me, I love a good Easter egg. And when I was watching <laughs> Better Call Saul, I, I found myself sort of forgetting who various characters were from Breaking Bad. So yeah, I'm I'm on season three of Breaking Bad. And then I'll dive back into where I left off for Better Call Saul, which was like halfway through season two. I'm doing this all wrong. <laughs>
1: Well, I know this is one that you checked out. Vishnu Nala04 said, Stranger Things Season 4. That was number three on our returning series list. And they just released Volume 2 last weekend. And I know both of us were cursed by Vecna to our couches <laughs> to watch all 10 hours of the, uh, the the finale there. No, I'm just kidding. It was awesome. But like, what an experience. What a, what a gigantic action-packed TV episode at two and a half hours. Yeah.
0: I mean, I loved it. Every time I watch it, it gives me just the right blast of nostalgia, sweet 80s song goodness, and those horror scares, which is like a Gina sweet spot. So yeah, I binged it as soon as I saw it had dropped.
1: It was awesome. I'm definitely checking out all of Kate Bush's uh, (laughs) re-listening. There was a college period where I was into Kate Bush, but now, now she's back with a vengeance for sure. And then how about a few shows that didn't make our top series list, but you all wanted to shout out Pam at PR Cowboys called out Miss Marvel and Moon Knight on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously, Gina, you're watching all of the MCU forever, wherever it may may live.
0: Yeah, and I gotta say, like, watch Watch Miss Marvel. I know there's been some trolls on Twitter, and it's maybe not getting the ratings and recognition it deserves, but. It's a real delightful series, and I realize it it sort of skews maybe a little bit younger than some of the other Marvel fare, but it's really beautifully written and shot and acted, and I'm enjoying it thoroughly. I watch it every week when it drops and highly recommend checking it out, even if you think it's not your bag.
1: No, it's so sweet. And and again, it's another palate cleanser mm-hmm. kind of show that it's just very fun Does skew a little bit younger, but it's written by fans about a fan mm-hmm. for fans. It's it's so much like steeped in that Marvel fandom. And Denny Mary seven said the offer you can't refuse. They're talking, of course, about the Paramount Plus series that goes behind the scenes on the making of The Godfather. Uh, I have been told a million times that I need to watch this. It's just honestly one of those shows that's just getting elbowed out of the way because there's too much good TV right now. I still got to catch up on the boys. I, I'm oh. I'm so far behind on all this. I know. Yeah. It's, I know. It's a good I've watch. seen a few. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen a few. But yeah, then The Offer is next, and then I don't know. My parents keep saying Yellowstone. That's going to have to happen someday. You know, there's there's too much good TV. There's going
0: to be 90 <laughs> spinoffs of Yellowstone by the time you yeah. dive in. I actually just bought the boys co- like graphic novel, so now I'm just consuming content left and right. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
1: well if you haven't listened to last week's episode yet go check that out to find out the top 10 new series of 2022 so far according to imdb fan ratings and we break them all down for you on there and to help you keep track of everything we've recommended or referenced in today's episode check out the show notes for an imdb list with all the movies and shows we name dropped you'll also see that thor love and thunder interview with the cast And with Chris Hemsworth, and you'll get to find out who Taika Waititi does actually want to have a beer with, which are the Guardians of the Galaxy. And then if you find yourself with friends and family trying to figure out what to watch next, go to the IMDb What to Watch app on Fire TV. You can play quick games that will help your group decide what to watch instead of just scrolling streaming services forever.
0: Whatever you choose to watch, we want to hear about it. Have we missed something you love? Tweet at IMDb using the hashtag IMDbIsObsessed, or you can always email us at ObsessedPodcast at IMDb.com. And remember to leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Thank you so much, Gina, for joining me on this venture, maybe to Valhalla, but at Mm. least through the Thor universe.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go change my cell phone ringtone to those screaming goats.
1: (laughs) Your version of them, because that's that's the soundbite that I want. (laughs) Perfect. We'll see you next week.